to cultivate the land in such a way that it is that, that what they are doing is creating more life and abundant life. Like this is it's this flourishing of everything. It's the Midas touch. And, and even more than universal flourishing, this idea of shalom is, is it's a provision. And what do I mean by that? It's that God takes away outside hostilities. So this, this peace, it has a personal component, but also has a provisional or protective component in that God says, I will give you peace. My peace I will give to you. But no longer is it just you're going to feel really good about yourself. No longer is your little community going to be really happy and easy going and real cool, man. This piece is the Lord saying, what is around you? The Egyptians that are enslaving you? The inhabitants of Canaan that are, that are fighting you? The, the government of the world that is sinful and broken and, and ruining you? It may feel like that. Or, or the, the boss at work that is, that is against you? the enemies, the, the diseases that are plaguing you, I'm gonna take those away, right? Like this is, this is a piece that is substantial, it's tangible, it's, it's been given from the very beginning and it's given to us for our good, for the glory of the Lord. So we see that, that this rest, this, this shalom, this Sabbath, is, is the thing that will be experienced fully one day in the new heavens and new earth in, in eternity right for all believers if they're brought into a right relationship with christ and how do we do that is you believe in the promises of the lord you believe in what christ has done on the cross and not only do you believe you understand it in your head you believe it and probably feel it in your heart but it's got to go out to your hands there's got to be tangible realities attached to it and so and and this is this is what awaits us though right like this is the hope that i think we cling to in a broken world this is what we look forward to. And, and this is actually what believers in part now can experience. I think so oftentimes we get sucked into to the sources of, of media that are both around us and that we're feeding ourselves with. And it's, it doesn't feel like this eternal peace has any place in this broken world. And in fact, we know that it does though because Christ has instituted the kingdom on earth. And that's what the church is to be, is we're to be agents of peace, to be agents of shalom, to be agents of, of genuine God blessed holy rest in the world. And so we can have it. It's not going to be perfect, right? It's not going to be as encompassing and, and universal as we'll experience it one day with the res our resurrected bodies. But this is why the church is so important. This is because we get to live into the promises of Hebrews 4 that there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And that this is a good gift that God has given to us. And why would we like so many before us, not take advantage of it and live in disbelief. And this disbelief is not just cognitive, right? Like it, it ends, our, our text ends in, uh, is it verse 11 or 10? And it says that, that um, yeah, it's verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Part of their disbelief was not acting on what Christ has called them to do. So, so disobedience is disbelief. So if we are not living the ethics of the kingdom, and one of that is practicing Sabbath, both I think as a physical day, which actually a lot of modern interpreters actually probably disagree with. There's, there's a trend that's moved into this idea of Sabbath rhythms, right? Because we live in a world where it's unrealistic to have a day set aside for Sabbath. And in fact, the Israelites did too. In fact, the New Testament church does too. And, and 
uh, you guys probably are aware the Sabbath for the Jews was, was the last day of the week. It would have been Friday at sundown uh, through Saturday, right? So it's, the, it's ending because Saturday is the last day. Sunday's the first day of the week. Well, Christ comes on the scene and he raises to new life on the first day of the week on Sunday. And so what happens is the Christians then shift their understanding to the Sabbath day, to the first day from the, the, the last day. So day one is now the Sabbath day. And, and they're still adhering to this. But you have to remember, day one for them is a work day, right? Like, like this is not, they didn't have the same Sunday schedule that we as Western Christians who live with a Judeo-Christian kind of uh, movement from Constantine and 325 on. Like, like this has been built into our calendars because of our understanding of Christ. But these Christians who the, the preacher in Hebrews is, is trying to encourage, they have to do the Sabbath on a work day. Right? Like that would be like the Lord saying, you know what? Now the Sabbath day is Tuesday. So you do your work, but you also rest in me. And so, so by doing this, though, they are modeling the heart of the Lord and the character of the Lord because we can now go about our work in a different way. We can, we can rest in the Lord in a different way, even on a substantially different day of the week than we would. And, and don't get me wrong. I think Sabbath rhythm, rhythms are very helpful. And we, like anyone, could become very legalistic with the practice of the Sabbath day. And I think the Lord, the heart of the Lord is never to be legalistic, but it's to be generous, it's to be purposeful. And so if we truly don't have 24 hours to give, that's okay. If, if we need to enter into acts of worship on a Wednesday night or in the middle of our lunch break because we just can't even deal with what's going on in our work and, and we've got to step back from the way that the world is, we need to say, you know, I want to enter into that rest. Go for it. Like, this is a gift that's given for all time, for all people, and it's always at our disposal. Or at our disposal. And so we're told, too, by the, the Puritan pastor, Thomas Watson, that for the Christians, the, the fullness of our blessedness in Christ, the fullness of, of the gifts and the joy that we enjoy in Christ is our heavenly rest. And this is what we get to live into now today. Because it's what the world is truly going to look at and say, that's different. It's, it's going to be, I, I actually think that our, the way that we rest might be a bigger gospel to the world than preaching on the corner, handing out tracts. And that it may work sometimes, right? But the reason is because people might see that and they think, oh, fire and brimstone. Like I'm just, they, they shut it down immediately. But if you see someone who throughout their work, throughout their retirement, throughout their days off, like they are resting in a way that is satisfying their souls, they're, they're coming back from vacations in a way where they are ready to go, and they're not just exhausted, right? Like, there's a different way the world rests, and so if we can display how we rest in a different way, I think they might begin to ask. And when we ask, then we can talk about, well, this is a gift that the Lord has given me, and this is why I know. It's because there is a Lord of the Sabbath. There is a Lord of rest, and his name is Christ. And then we move into the gospel, right? So the way we rest is true evangelism. And not to take advantage of that rest is a lack of evangelizing. And I think that this is something that the world will recognize. And this is why our understanding of Sabbath, I think, has to be moved out of a legalistic understanding of the, the Ten Commandments law. Right? It has to be moved out of a, a, a just bemoaning practice. And to practice Sabbath doesn't mean we turn off the TV and aren't allowed to watch a football game. The Denver Broncos season opener is day, it's today at 225 on Fox, and I want to watch it. And that's not bad. And the reason it's not bad, there are things that are bad to do on the Sabbath. Sin. 
but we're going to sin every day, and we have an advocate before the Father interceding for us. His name is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is bringing our pleas before him to the Father. We have a Trinitarian um, forgiveness center that's always for us, right? But so, so practicing the Sabbath is turning what we would normally, it's using the good gifts that God has given us in a different way so as we are intentionally glorifying him in a different way. It's not so much that we would sleep and, and we would be filled up. It's that out of the overflow of what God has given us, we give back to him. Because the irony is that is going to make us vastly more productive in our own souls. And when I talk about productivity, I don't just mean we're going to get our to-do list done. But it means that we are going to have a deeper, more intimate understanding of the Lord in a way that, that the world just doesn't understand. And so this is why Sabbath is so important. This is why the author of Hebrews spends almost an entire, uh, well, he spends almost two full chapters on this idea of rest, right? Like this is what these weary Christians are needing to hear as they're under persecution of the Romans, who we know what the book of Revelation says about Rome, right? It's not good. And, and yet Rome is, is America, it, Rome is, is the nations of the world. And so this is in many ways the same state that we live in, right? There's nothing new under the sun as the Ecclesiastes said. And so, so rest and Sabbath and, and really digging into this day, digging into this posture, digging into this provision of shalom that the Lord has given us, this is clearly important for us today. And it's, it's oftentimes neglected. And I'm glad to see that no one has fallen asleep during this sermon. You are, you are all resting in a different work of the Lord than sleep. Um, but I hope that we find that, that this idea of rest, this idea of peace, of comfort, of shalom, is much more than just for our bodies or even for our minds. Like This rest that the Lord offers to us in Hebrews is a rest that satisfies our souls. So if you take nothing away from this, we know that satisfying rest, soul-satisfying rest, is found only in Christ. And this is the promise of Scripture from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 21, right? That, that this rest that the Lord has built into the hearts of his people is foreign to the world after the fall, is, is, is typified through the land, is fulfilled in Christ, and then freely given to all of us. This is what we enjoy as, as agents of the kingdom of God on earth. So let us rest in a way that is foreign to the world, that is attractive to the world, and that really lives out the very gospel. Like I said, as Hebrews 4, 2 says, the good news that was proclaimed, this, this gospel, that this is our rest. This is resting in what the Lord has done, believing his promises, and, and actually working in them in obedience. And so I'll just say, therefore, as the author of Hebrews says, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience, their example of unbelief. So God is calling us to put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he's calling us to, to live out that beautiful rest very intentionally in the way that we, we live our lives. His rest will completely satisfy our souls. It's going to fill every longing. It doesn't mean that we're going to experience this internal well-being at all times of every day in the Lord, because the reality is the world is still broken. It's tainted by sin, and we live in a world that is foreign to God's concept of shalom. But it does mean we can't experience it. God has given us his spirit as a helper, as a comforter, as a God-given 
who is literally God giving us his shalom at times, and it's a rest that the world does not understand and it surpasses all understanding. Let us enter into it, and I hope that we all have a, have a slightly uh, bigger view of the Sabbath than just a mere day, although it is certainly a day. So with that, go in peace and rest in the Lord. And I guess I'll close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, I'm, I'm struck by really the words of Revelation uh, as it's talking to the martyrs who are, who are killed because of their faith as well as it applies to all believers when it says that blessed are they who die in the Lord for they will rest. God, that Revelation 14, 13 is the gift that you give to us on our, on our eternal home as well as you give it to us right now in the most difficult, fearful, angst-filled moments. So God, let us dig into it, let us believe it, and let us just enjoy you. For us for the glory of your name and give us for the good of your people.